What I want to get across tonight about repentance, I want to get to the part where it's to change the way we think. That's what repent means, is to change the way we're thinking. If we're thinking a certain way and it's not right, God wants to change the way we think so we would have to repent. We do a 180, we do a turn on the way we're thinking. Now let me read some more and I'm going to come back to that. To repent in the dictionary, it says to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. You know, I feel bad about what I did. I have a remorse. But I'm going to tell you something. Feeling bad about what you did don't save you. Now, listen, we come to repent many times. And I'm not running down church. I come out of church, you know, so to speak, that old church. And I got saved. Thank God I got saved by repenting and coming to Jesus and not understanding what I understand now, but at least I was sorry for what I did. But God don't want us to stay in that sorry mode. Amen. He don't want us meditating on our sin and everything that we did wrong. And remember that now. Remember what you did. You better make sure you do everything right from now on. Well, when we learn how to repent, we repent, and we're still learning how to repent. Amen. We're going to learn some tonight. I promise you we're going to learn more about repenting tonight than we did last year. Amen. Thank you, Wenda. The repentance called for throughout the Bible is a summons to a personal, absolute, and ultimate, unconditional surrender to God as sovereign. Though it includes sorrow and regret, it is more than that. In repenting, one makes a complete change of direction, a 180 toward God. In other words, I used to walk away from God. And when I turned to God, I'm going a different direction. I repented. Now I'm going the way God wants me to go instead of the way I was going. Anybody with me so far? That's repenting. That's turning from what I was to who God wants me to be. And if I go in the right direction, I'll get there. Has anybody ever been lost driving the car? You guys won't never admit it. <laughs> you guys, well, I was in Georgia and I, we got lost. My family, when the girls were little, Debbie said we were lost. I said, I'm in Georgia. I know where I'm at. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm in the state of Georgia. I'm not lost. Okay. <laughs> But in the body of Christ, a lot of times we're, we're found and we're saved, but we're lost in the direction that we need to go. Many people struggle even after they've been saved for years and years and years. What does God really want me to do? What does he have laid out for me? What's his plan For me, God's not mad at, mad at us if we don't know exactly what we're supposed to do. But if we learn about repent and turn and go toward Him, when we mess up, you know what our flesh wants to do? Run and hide. When we mess up, what God wants us to do is keep our face to Him, continuously come to Him, look unto Him 
from which comes our help. God wants us to stay with Him, and when we repent and come to Him, He don't want us turning and leaving and going away from Him. But when we mess up, our tendency is to go away. You know, He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but a lot of times we turn our back on Him and we kind of get away from Him. It's us, you know, it's like, where's God at? He's right where we left Him. Amen. All right. I'm going to read this again. In most cases, when the English word repent occurs in the New Testament, it's translating metanona. Metanona is not the equivalent of the Old Testament term shub. Now, I'm not trying to talk Greek and Hebrew, but I want to bring this out from the old to the new. It certainly does not mean penance, nor does it normally mean repent. Rather, in the New Testament, it retains its pre-Christian meaning of a change of mind. The English reader thus generally needs to read this, repent, as change your mind. So I want us to get that part tonight. I want to leave with you tonight that repent means to change my mind, to change the way I think. You know... I was taught a long time ago, if I'm wrong and I think I'm right, I'm still wrong. Let that sink in. If I'm wrong and I think I'm right, I'm still wrong. But the sad part is, even if I'm right, if I think I'm wrong, I'm still right, but me thinking I'm wrong will keep me from doing what God's called me to do. We can hear the truth, and if we don't receive the truth, we'll never walk in the truth. I'm going to read some scriptures, and it's going to be awesome here in just a minute when I get to the scriptures. I still got a couple little things to say. Many of us were taught things like, God is mad at me. He's counting my every sin. How many of y'all thought that when you messed up, God had like a big chalkboard in heaven and he was marking that sin down. Anybody besides me? I kept them busy, man. <laughs> they, they had marks all over the board. And then I'd go, what I called repent. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry for all I've done. That's what I thought repenting was. And I was sorry I did what I did. So I thought, well, now at least he's got the eraser and he's, he's erased all of that stuff that I was sorry for. But I didn't have what I needed in me to not go do again what I repented of. It was that pride, like, I got this now. I'm doing good today. See, if, until I humble myself, I don't have the grace that God wants to give me, and you won't have the grace that God wants to give you to overcome the problems that you face from day to day. Pride will keep us from the grace of God, and the grace of God is what we need to overcome. Thank you for that thunderous applause. <laughs> Step back down. We thought that God was punishing us with troubles because of our sins and our mistakes. Don't raise your hands. We thought that. We, it's like, well, I messed up again, and all this bad stuff's happening to me, so I know it's God. He's punishing me. Okay? 
we thought that confessing all of our sin was repenting. In 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All He said is, if we confess our sin. He didn't say, if we come and beg and, and plead with Him and call it repenting, we just need to confess. When we're wrong, we just need to confess to Him, I messed up. He forgives us, cleanses us, from sin, all of our sin. So confession of our sin to Him is not the same thing as repenting. We can come and confess our sin to Him and turn around and go sin again and need to come back again and confess to Him our sin. But I'm telling you, when we repent, we begin to change the way we think. See, I don't think anymore that God's mad at me. I used to think He was. I used to think that when I messed up, now i got to start all over again. And God is mad at me, so therefore He's punishing me. All this bad stuff that was coming my way, I was blaming God for what was happening to me, and it was my own dang fault. <laughs> that song, I sung it last time. You wouldn't hear, you was gone. You was in the Bahamas. <laughs> I'm telling you, we, we get our minds mixed up sometimes. Don't raise your hand, but we all mess up. Uh, we all kind of have to deal with things from time to time. All of us do. And it's like if the enemy can keep us condemned and, and make us think that God's mad at you because you did that, I can read you scripture after scripture. Now, I'm not saying go sin. That's, that's not my point. My point's not, hey, just go sin. Everything's cool. Sin will destroy us. Sin's not good for us. Sin is what brings the problems to us, not, not God. When we mess up, we open the door to the devil, and he's the one that comes and kicks us in the tail. The rear. <laughs> I got to be specific here. Some be like, "Tail? I ain't got no tail." <laughs> okay, come on, let's let's lighten up just a little bit here. We go and we confess. We go and confess, and God forgives us when we mess up. As a matter of fact, God forgave us before we ever messed up. We're forgiven. We have to receive that forgiveness. But the repentance part of it, we're going to get a little deeper here, okay? I want to get into some Scripture. I want to make sure not bypass a page here. We thought many times, we thought that sickness was from God to teach us something. That He could heal us, but we weren't sure if He will or not. We thought that. I did. Now, let me just put it this way. I thought that sometimes when I got sick, God was making me sick, teach me because I messed up last week. It's like, okay, God's teaching me something. And I was taught that in a roundabout way, I was taught that, well, you know, God put that on you for a reason. And then, of course, I'd go against his will. I'd go to the doctor and try to get that off of me. <laughs> See, I thought it might be God's will that I'm sick. But why would I go against his will and go to the doctor? Because I don't like being sick. 
Somebody said, should have said, amen. And I've been teaching long enough here, and most of y'all have been here, to, let, to find out that sickness is not from God. It's from the devil, and God don't want us sick. He wants us healed. That's God's will. So if I thought that God was putting sickness on me, at one time in my life, a long time ago, I repented of the way I thought. Therefore, I don't think that God put sickness on me anymore. That's re- see, I'm getting to the part that I want us to get in our hearts about repentance. I changed my mind on what I believed. And that's not the only thing I changed my mind on. You women, are y'all change your mind. You still change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I change my mind, and I get my mind settled, and women, they just change their mind every day. Most every day. Amen. Amen. You see, another, it's easier for you women to repent because y'all are used to changing your mind more than men are. It's hard for guys to change their mind. You married that guy thinking he's going to change, and he ain't changed a bit. You married that woman thinking she wasn't going to change, and she did. (laughs) So we got to work through all this stuff, all the change. We need to understand that when our thinking is wrong, that we need to do something about our thinking. It's It's up to us to repent or turn or change the way we think concerning any issue that we're having. If I find out that I'm wrong, my wife, she's not here tonight either. She's in Arkansas, but yeah, (laughs) I get to preach whatever I want to when she ain't here. (laughs) Usually it's about women, (laughs) but she'll correct me when I'm wrong. She has no trouble correcting me. I'm serious. I mean, I mean this in a loving way. When we first got into the quote unquote charismatic movement where our confession of your mouth you know you got to say what's right if you say what's wrong your words are powerful and they are words are powerful you have what you say and man we we became police of each other that if we made a bad negative confession it's like uh uh-uh, uh-uh, it's a bad confession we was on each other she still gets me. I don't, I'm not as bad as I used to be. I keep my mouth shut when I'm around her. <laughs> but everybody, you understand, when we make negative confessions, if we've read the scriptures and realized, you know, I don't need to be saying that. That's, that's not right. I don't need to be going around saying, hey, flu season's here. I'm getting it. Don't say that. You say, well, how can it keep you from getting it if you don't say it? The Bible says you have what you say. It says we have what we say. Well, I said I was a millionaire and I ain't rich yet. Well, just keep, keep saying. <laughs> now, say what the Bible says. Say what the Word of God says, not what the enemy's saying, not what our head's telling us. We have to repent from what we think. If we're thinking that God is the mean person, well, I could get on politics and I'm not going to. We call what's good bad and what's bad good. The Bible says it's the way it's going to be. That we're going to, in the end time, we're going to be calling, we're not, but people are, going to be calling evil good and good evil. Look around. Lord, have mercy. We need to repent if we're 
beginning to say the things that the world is saying and agreeing with the world. Amen. We need to hold fast to our profession of faith. We need to say what God's saying, regardless of what the world's saying or doing. We're going to look crazier as the darkness sets in. The people of God are going to look crazier and crazier. But guess what? There's going to be light in Goshen. There's going to be light in your house. Amen. And the ones that want out of darkness are going to come to the light. Amen. And when we come in, the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. And when he left, he said, you're now the light of the world. We're a reflection of him on this earth. We took his place. He took our place in sin, and we took his place on this earth to complete the work that he's called us to do. See, a lot of us don't believe that. Well, you, you think you're like Jesus. Let me read a few scriptures before we get out of here tonight. I may have to keep you longer. Luke chapter 11, start with verse 27. And it came to pass, as he spake these things, this is about Jesus is talking, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. In other words, blessed is your mother, Jesus. Now here's what Jesus said about that. But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Jesus said, Those that hear the word of God and keep it are more blessed than his mama. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Mm hmm. Verse 29 And when the people were gathered thick together, in other words, there's a bunch of them. He began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign, and they shall no sign be given it, but the sign of Jonah the prophet. Verse 30, for as Jonah was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. The queen of the south, and that's not talking about Loretta Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> this is a queen of Sheba is what he's talking about. The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the uttermost part of the earth to hear the, wise, the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Now remember, Jesus is saying this. He's saying the queen of Sheba came from the south to hear Solomon, the wisest person at the time, speak. She came all the way across the country to him to speak. And he said, but there's one wiser than him. Jesus is saying this out of his mouth, telling the congregation. Verse 32. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. They repented. They turned. Remember when Jonah, you remember the story of the whale or the big fish that they threw him over the board and the fish swallowed him up and spit him out on the bank and he went on and preached to the Ninevites. God changed them. They repented. He said, look here. They, when they heard his preaching, they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. 
Jesus is telling us he was greater than all these people that caused all these great things to take place. And people repented when they heard these people talk about God and hear the Son of God, the Son of Man, Jesus himself is, and they're rejecting him. Let me read some more scriptures. Wrong thinking will cause unbelief and offense in us. Listen to this. In the Amplified Version of Matthew chapter 13, verse number 54 says, When Jesus had finished these parables, he left there, and after coming to, the Nazareth, to Nazareth, his hometown, he began teaching them in their synagogues, and they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? What is the source of his authority? Now, Jesus apparently was doing some pretty miraculous things because they're, they're pretty like, wow, what's going on here? Where did he get, where did this wisdom come from? Where did this miraculous power, and what is the source of his authority? Let me tell you, it's the same place you get yours. The source of Jesus' authority was being born of a woman onto this earth. That gave him authority to be here. You was born of a woman. You say, yeah, but he was born of a virgin. Well, there was a reason why. He had to have the blood of the Father to make him pure, to take our sin. But he was born of a woman on this earth, and that's where he got his authority. That's where we get our authority. So when we're born on earth, we have authority. We ain't got the power, and we ain't got the miraculous things working in us yet. Okay? But we have authority on earth. Amen? I want everybody to stick with me here. We have authority by simply being born on this earth. When God created man in the garden, he said, I, I want you to have dominion over the whole earth. I give you dominion. Every man born on earth has dominion on this earth. Okay, we have authority. Look at verse 55. They're talking and they said, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not living here among us? Where, where then did this man get all this wisdom and power? Don't say nothing. See, these people are seeing Jesus, and with their natural eyes, they have grown up with him, and they, they're like, they're saying, we know him. We know his mama. We know his brothers. We know his sister. Where did he get this wisdom and power? We ain't got it. They didn't say that, but that's what they're saying in their heart. We don't have this. If you don't have what somebody else has of God, I'd ask you to go ask them, how'd you get this stuff? Don't get mad at them. But look, here's what happens. They took offense at him, refusing to believe in him. 
Why? Because they thought that he was like them. I'm just going to talk slow tonight. I may not even get much further in my notes, but I'm telling you, they looked at Jesus like he was one of them. And that's okay, because he was. He came to be like man. But he came like a man so that we could be made in his image like God. Amen. So Jesus is, he's not showing out. He's just being Jesus. And the power of God that's in him and on him is healing people. Miraculous things are taking place and wisdom and power is being made manifest through him, a man that was born of a woman that had authority on earth like we do. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many miracles there in Nazareth because, what does it say? Because of their unbelief. It wasn't anything that he couldn't do. He could have healed everybody in town, but because of their unbelief, he could do no mighty works there. Now, if we have unbelief, we're not going to receive the mighty works of God. And if we walk in unbelief, we're not going to be doing the mighty works of God. I'm telling you, God wants us to read these scriptures and realize Jesus was born of a woman just like we are, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit just like we can be. When we allow him to be Lord of our life and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us up with what the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says, dwells in us. God wants us to understand that we're like him because he was like us. He was made to be sin for us. Now, listen, I've already got, I'm stepping on somebody's toes tonight. Listen, Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He became like us and took our sin so that we could be made like him in his righteousness. And people should be looking at us saying, where'd they get that wisdom and power at? Now, we're not seeking a sign. We need to seek Jesus, the healer, instead of health. We need to be seeking the healer. We need to be seeking the one that forgave us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. We have a hard time thinking that he desires for us to be like him. You almost get people mad at you if you say, I'm like Jesus. You're like, no, you ain't. I've seen you. <laughs> See, we read these scriptures. His, the people that lived near him looked at him like, this is Mary's son. This is Joseph's brother. And his sisters, they live here too. We know this guy. 
where did all this stuff come from? See, they were judging him according to the flesh. They knew him, not because he was bad or did wrong things. He never did. But they were like, he's like us. And all the time, Jesus is trying to get across to them, you need to be like me. God wants us to be like him, not try to make him like us. If we try to make him like us, we'll be frustrated. Anybody frustrated? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> we'll be offended. Oh, let me back up. Didn't it say they were offended? It did say they were offended. Hmm. He didn't do any miracles there because of their unbelief. They would, could not believe they saw it happening. They're like, they see the power, they see the wisdom, they see it, and it's right in front of them, and they wouldn't receive it themselves because they had unbelief. That's just Jesus. We know his whole family. They just live over his daddy was a carpenter. That's what people think about you. Who cares what people think? See, we need to realize what God thinks about us. Here's a place to repent. Don't, don't think the way they want you to think. Think the way God wants you to think. Amen. Let's repent. Let's change the way we think about ourselves. Let's change the way we see ourselves. Let's change the way we see all of our friends around us. You're the image of God. I know we're not a real good image sometimes, but we're the image of God. And he wants to put everything that was in Jesus inside of us. Everything. Why, it's hard to believe. Because we need to repent. We need to repent because we don't think that way. We think, oh, it's going to be good when we get to heaven one of these days. He said, pray this way. Pray, Father in heaven, send down your word. Let your spirit, let your light, let your life, let your will be done in earth as what? Do we believe that? If we don't, we need to repent and change the way we think and say, so he's not telling us that we need to wait till we get there to experience all this stuff that we've been taught about heaven all these years. Now, listen, I believe in heaven. It's going to be a wow place. But I'm telling you, he's saying, pray that I send some of that stuff down here right now while you're on this earth. His will be done. His kingdom come. Not when I get there. He's saying, I want to send it to you. You know, when you download something in your computer, it, it's yours now. You got it downloaded. Sometimes you get something downloaded, you didn't even want it in there. Viruses, stuff gets in there. But see, God's wanting to download his kingdom and his power and his glory He's wanting to download his will to us on earth so that his will will be done. And if we don't believe his will, we won't receive his kingdom. 
Moving right along. They thought they knew Jesus, but they only knew him after the flesh. He grew up with us. How can he do these things? That's what they were thinking. We must get past our thinking that he's like us and begin to think we are like him. Now y'all are on page two. This is amazing that, I'm, that I've gotten so far so quick. <laughs> Not knowing his true identity will keep us from knowing our true identity. If we don't believe that Jesus is the son of the living God and really believe it, that he really was born of a virgin came here and died our stead, we'll never understand who he desires for us to be. Amen. We have to, we have to repent if our mind is, everything is postponed till we get to heaven. I, I'm all for good things in heaven, but I'm telling you, and I'm not just talking about things, I'm talking about the power of God to overcome temptation, the power of God to overcome sicknesses and diseases, the power of God that makes people wonder, where did that, where did that wisdom and that power come from? How did they get out of that deathbed and walk out? How'd they get out of the wheelchair and walk? How did all these questions that they were asking about Jesus think they saw him doing stuff and still didn't believe it. And when we receive the power of God in our life and we walk and operate in the things of God the way he wants us to, there'll be a, half the people around us won't believe anything good about you. And we got to get to the point, who cares what they think? Amen. If you go and read the scriptures there, it didn't upset Jesus that in their hometown he could do no mighty works. In one passage, in, I think it's in Matthew, it says he went from there, he went teaching and preaching the kingdom. So the way you get the doubt and unbelief out of the people is you go teach them the word of God. Just like we're talking tonight, the Word of God will get doubt and unbelief out of us. Like, wow, you mean Jesus wants to do that in our life too? Yes, He does. Yeah, but I mean, I just, I just live east of Broken Bow. He don't care where you live. You can even live in Idabel. <laughs> hey, hey we're, we've come a long ways, amen? Us Broken Bow and Idabel people starting to get along. We got people from Eagletown, Oklahoma, in, in Victory Life. Wow, man, we stepping up now. Uptown. Oh, we uptown. God loves us. And it don't matter what they think or what, you know, what matters is what you think. You got to get, we, I'm not pointing at y'all, we got to get our thinking right so that we can walk and operate in the power and the wisdom of God and not just be natural human beings walking on earth waiting on Jesus to come back. Amen. We need to be waiting on Jesus to come back, but we need to be working and doing what he's called us to do while we're waiting 
waiting patiently. Let me tell you what the Bible says about patience. It says, run with patience. I'm like, man, that blows your mind, don't it? <laughs> That'll blow your mind. Running with patience. The race that is set before us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that's set before us. How do you run with patience? It's a question. I ain't got the answer. I'll tell you how you do it. You lay, you lay aside the sin and the weight that's besetting us. And the word patience there means to be able to go through troubles, trials, and tribulations and boredom while remaining calm and keeping your mouth shut. <laughs> that last part, it's, it's no, don't say it that way, but I couldn't remember, but it means just be quiet while not complaining. So if you're complaining, you're not in patience. You know, some people, their kids just go crazy, bounce off the walls, and they just never even look up. People think, man, they got lots of patience. No, they're afraid to say something. <laughs> you know, patience is running that race and getting where God wants us to be, but not murmuring and complaining about what we're running through. There's troubles. Amen? There's troubles that we run through. And we're going to be running through troubles for years and years. I want to look at 2 Timothy 3.10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose. This is Paul speaking here. My purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived." But continue in the things which you've been which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. See, there was a time in my life, I'm already out of time, but there was a time in my life I was told things that wasn't in the Bible. You know, they'd say, you know, like healing's done away with or that sickness God put on you to teach you something. And I wish I had time. I'd get all through all these scriptures that I got, but I'm going to just wait till next week to explain that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished, perfect, lacking nothing. Nowhere did it say that God put sickness on you to perfect you, to teach you anything. He uses all Scripture. And we're going to take that up next week. If the good Lord's willing and the creeks don't rise. <laughs> I ran out of time. But that's not unusual. 
I'll, I'll finish these scriptures next week that I started on just then. We'll go back to 2 Timothy 3.10, and we're going to take off from there because I want to cover the rest of what i got to say. I knew I wouldn't finish, but I wanted two weeks of this, and then we're going to start uh, soon on the Holy Spirit. We're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk right out of the Bible. What does the Bible say concerning the Holy Spirit? We have a lot of misconceived ideals about the Holy Spirit. We need to know about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the power of God that's in us that gives us the ability to be a witness unto Jesus. In other words, it gives us evidence. If somebody says, are you a Christian? They ain't going to have to ask if you're a Christian. You have evidence, and His name is Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the evidence that's within us that the world sees. The world saw Jesus. They didn't understand. They'd never seen someone like Jesus doing what someone like Jesus was doing on the face of the earth. They were used to religion saying, you, you become perfect, and then God will like you. I'm here to tell you God loves you in the mess that you're in. Amen. I'm just telling you the truth. God loves you right where you're at. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you're doing, God loves you. He accepts you just the way you are with a full intention to change you into the image of His dear Son. The more we hear the Word of God and allow His Holy Spirit to flow through us, we become more like Him every day. We start seeing Him for who He's really like, for what He's worth, and we become worth what He says we're worth. God gave His Son for us. He traded Him for us. You're worth quite a bit. You're worth the blood of Jesus. Amen? Let me pray for us before we go home tonight. And if you can, make it again next Wednesday evening at 6.30, and we'll try to finish this part up on repentance. But I hope that everybody realizes there's more to repentance than just coming to God saying, I need to tell you I messed up, you know, and I'm sorry for what I did. It's like I want to change my, my mind, change the way I think concerning the Word of God, who I am, and really what I have in Him. It's like we're His kids. I'm one of His favorite kids. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but I'm, I'm going to try to be. You know, I think God loves us all equally, but if we in our own mind think that He likes us better than He does everybody else, it'd be, that's pretty good. You know, so you're going to have to step it up. If for God to like you better than he does me, you're going to have to get better at it. Because <laughs> I'm going to keep getting better. And I'm just saying these things in fun. But God loves us. And it's not, he's not holding our sin against us. He's not holding us down saying, well, you would have been blessed, but you're cursed. <laughs> you're blessed. The curse has been taken care of by Jesus. Let me pray for you because I've done gone over and I apologize for that.